<laughs> Welcome to another Kirby's Kids Holiday Special. Happy Holidays, kids. Welcome back. And thanks for listening. This is Angus with Doc. And we are here today to give you a holiday super special. This is volume two of a three-volume series published by Boom Studios by author Grant Morrison and illustrator Dan Mora. And yes, it's Klaus, The New Adventures of Santa Claus, and is a smash hit series. It's really a mashing up of all things good about the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And Doc... I'm so happy you're here to celebrate the season. Second volume of Klaus is just, it's as good as the first. I mean, the the origin story, which Ray and I covered several years back, mm -hmm. and really was just kind of like, what would happen if Rankin and Bass and every holiday special that you knew as a kid <laughs> got mashed up? turned into a superhero mythological folktale with a lot of kick-ass action in it, and bam, you've got Klaus. And a completely jacked-up Klaus, too. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Matter of fact, I, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, being the uh, role-playing folks that we are as far as tabletop RPGs and also online RPGs are concerned, I even statted up what Klaus would look like over on, like, D&D Beyond. Uh, because it, literally, when you're looking at this character, it, it is a, a superhero Klaus and completely yoked. I mean, yeah. this is like Conan the Barbarian, exactly. Santa Claus, but there's no pudgy fellow with the rosy cheeks and the and the the bright nose who's eaten too many cookies and drunk too much eggnog. Okay, no, th this is indeed a warrior from the north who is out there to defend all that is right about the spirit of the Christmas season. Yes. And it does its job well, I think, in the, especially in this volume and in, uh, in these two stories. Yeah, I agreed. And in these two stories, we have one which is dealing with an ageless ice queen commanding an army of robotic snowmen built of enchanted wood. And then we have another story dealing with an evil soda corporation hell-bent <laughs> on trademarking Christmas itself at the behest of a dark doppelganger. Wow, this is just your typical holiday fair, right? Uh, yeah, not so absolutely. fast. <laughs> not so fast. But, you know, what would you expect other than this out of the creative genius that is Grant Morrison, the one who brought us All Star Superman and Happy and uh, Doom on, Patrol. Thank you very much. Yes, <laughs> on Doom Patrol, as well as Invisibles. I mean, there, there's just so many Countless. different yeah. Morrison uh, creations here. And, and oh, and then oh, let us not forget Final Crisis. But uh, then, <laughs> then we have Dan Mora in here. And the one thing that I love about Grant Morrison, amongst many things, is that Grant has really made it a mission of his since becoming quite successful as a, an author here of graphic novels and comics to go out and seek new art talent. And Dan Mora is one of those 
art talents that Grant Morrison just helped bring into uh, the comic spotlight. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, from the illustrations in this book and the very strong visual storytelling to go along with the very powerful economy of words that Grant Morrison puts in here. I mean, the one thing that I, again, love about Grant, he doesn't overpower the page with a lot of prose. He makes it count and -hmm. allows the artist to shine. So from that standpoint, this is just the continuation of what was laid down in that first novel where essentially we got a mega origin story. That's what you got in Klaus Volume 1. In Klaus, The New Adventures of Santa Claus, we got something else going on here. So, Doc, let's break this down into these two stories here. In our first story, which is just so many different iconic characters out of folklore are, are plucked here. This is Klaus and the Witch of Winter. Okay, so right then and there in the title. We're looking at, oh, maybe an allusion to C.S. Lewis's line, The Witch of the Wardrobe, maybe, perhaps. You know, that, that winter uh, mm-hmm. witch or witch uh, winter queen that, that exists in, in there. Uh, we're also going to pull on some iconic tales, such as Pinocchio. Yeah. We have the appearance of Geppetto. Good old Geppetto. Good old Geppetto. And and we're we we've got these these connections that are made. So, Doc, in this first story, what were your general impressions? What were your takeaways? I think we both thoroughly enjoyed this entire volume. But Absolutely. in this particular story, uh, what did you think of, of the story itself? I mean, we have the mysterious disappearance of two kids. We have Klaus having come back after having been up in a lunar alternate dimension where time has just kind of zoomed by. And now he gets plump, you know, plants himself either in modern day or I, I, I don't know if in this story it's purely modern day or if this also takes place in the 80s or if it's just the second story that takes place in the 80s. But let's just call it more modern day. Okay. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to the first volume, where really we were talking, you know, centuries ago, right. the very beginnings of of Santa Claus, of Klaus. So here we have a father meeting Klaus, saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're not real. You're you're a different. Well, get get out of my house. What's going on here?" Well, very quickly, Klaus reveals himself to actually to be the real Santa Claus. And then, Doc, I'll have you take it over from here. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's. I think it's a really fun story. It's and then uh, the uh, you know the father realizes that his two small children are missing, and um, um, his his wife is gone. And it was it was funny. I couldn't get a feel for if they were divorced or if she passed away. It was interesting because the way the kids talked, it sounded like she just kind of left. But when he talked, when the father talked, I kind of thought it was, uh, I thought she may have passed away. So it was just interesting that it, it wasn't, for me at least, maybe I read it too quickly. Um, but um, and then he, so he finds out his kids are missing and then he hears something in the room 
and he turns on the light and then there's there's Klaus but you know to him it's just some weirdo in a uh, in a Santa suit so I think he smacks him with a bat or something and uh, and Klaus just kind of shakes it off he's like oh I haven't had that kind of welcome in a while so it was uh, I think it was a kind of a funny almost like a like an 80s action hero kind of like glib little comment to make you know when he first comes on scene and um, and then we, then we kind of go from there and then he, Klaus kind of explains to him what's you know what he thinks happened and we do we get like in the beginning of story we get a ton of references to something that we do not see happen on panel about um this this war this civil war that's going on in the moon and throughout this story and i think it's even in the next story and even in volume three um we get a lot of references to this big battle on the moon so and i and as far as i know there is um uh, morrison never wrote anything about that like specifically like you know a um a series or anything about that battle on the moon so i'm always interested to hear more what's going on but it, it's kind of an interesting way that he kind of gets you hooked because he's like drops little little breadcrumbs for you to follow with the with this moon battle but um and then yeah eventually he gets to uh he goes to his old um factory that he used to have um, um where he used to you know build things and which he thought was closed down but it has been reopened and some of his old um elves which he call uh let me see i have it written down somewhere um yule lads yes which is which is a very awkward way of saying elves i thought <laughs> i yep. love it though but it's a, it's a great little uh, phrase a yule lad and um and he sees that some of these yule lads are working for this witch of winter and um they've created this army of uh, as you mentioned these kind of robots that have this enchanted wooden bodies and that's where we meet geppetto and you know, honestly, it's if anybody else would have written this, I'd have been like, "Wow, that's just far out there." But the fact that more that it is Grant Morrison, I thought he was very reserved, even in uh, even in the, like the first volume in the uh, um, in the, his origin story, where we get a little bit of that mysticism of these of like the spirits of the woods and the spirits of the the holiday and everything that kind of imbue Klaus with these powers. But uh, overall, though, it's I, I thought it was kind of straightforward, and it's a surprisingly like optimistic and happy ending that we get from from morrison that you know we thought there was you know because it's leading up to this big battle with this winter witch uh or the witch of winter whatever which i want to call it and you know it turns out that you know the witch doesn't turn out to be that bad of a person and it was uh kind of like a uh, circumstantial reason why she was why she was taking the kids which was really to lure klaus um over to her um, and, uh, and there was a surprising environmental message at the end of the, uh, at the end of the story too, which honestly, um, it kind of felt a little bit out of left field for that little bit of that, you know, um, global warming kind of thing, um, which I don't mind those kinds of, you know, things in there, but it just didn't seem like it was going in that direction. They kind of came in from left field, but, um, overall, I really enjoyed the story. I mean, like, like I said, there's so many shout outs to different things that are going on with, I mean, I was just, so I was like, actually I think if you could see my face from ear to ear, I was grinning when Geppetto, you know, <laughs> came onto the scene, which was a real, and he even kind of made a passing reference to Pinocchio. I don't think he called him by name, but he called him that, you know, his wooden son or his wooden boy yeah. that he uh, imbued with life and everything. So it was a lot of cool little shout outs and it's just a really fun story. It's really cool. I was, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, when you have that first 
um, volume where you have the origin story of Klaus. Um, that's seven issues, and that's you know that's like a regular little miniseries run. And then these little specials that they combine, you know, they ended up putting like two together in a volume. They remind me of a for all for all and any Doctor Who fans. It's like you have the main series, and then always over Christmas they would give you like that Christmas special, that Doctor Who Christmas special. And that's yep. what these remind me of. It's really it's really fun. They're just like you know they're just continuing the lore, but they're not necessarily maybe going with canon or whatever. Um, so it's like, I thought I thought they were like they're really fun it's something to look forward to every christmas and i i wish you would go back to writing them every christmas because they're i think they're fun little stories they are they're great and matter of fact uh just now this fall they have put all three volumes together into an oversized mega volume nice. that collects all of the klaus uh together which is uh for sale and i believe it goes in hardback for around uh 55 us so you know just a little little you know, side note there, we, this yeah. is kind of topical that we're here reviewing uh, volume two. And then I think in the future, maybe perhaps next season, uh, we will go ahead and review volume three. So we have them all down here because they are a lot of fun and they're yeah. really great to reread too. And mm -hmm. I just want to point out uh, two other things before we move on to our second story. And that is in this story, it wouldn't be a Grant Morrison story if it weren't for the weird. Yeah. So the weird character in here, for me at least, was Spoon Liquor. Yes, you got that right. That is the <laughs> name of an actual character. And it is this old, decrepit, uh, hunched over little man who licks a spoon constantly and is definitely in allegiance with the Winter Witch. However, at the same time, Spoon Liquor had actually worked for Klaus. Uh, and the other person who had worked for Klaus was actually Geppetto. Geppetto was one of Klaus's renowned toy makers. So there's this connection here with Klaus, former employees of the toy factory, who now are back in this reinvigorated toy factory, but it's been re-energized by this Winter Witch. So again, really creative, good stuff. Oh, and I will add that little environmental... Uh, twist or or side at the end was not heavy handed. So no, not at all. for those folks who are worried about getting lectured to, particularly in this day and age where a lot of our media is infused one way or another from any and all sides of the political spectrum with some little uh, story, anecdote, influencer, what have you. Uh, this is subtle. This isn't heavy handed. So it really, you shouldn't allow that to turn you off. Or if you are a, you know, a, a you know, believer or acknowledger of climate change, you might go, oh, okay, that's great. You know, th this little thing's in here. But honestly, just take everything on face value, enjoy it, don't think too hard, and then move on. It is. That, that's it that's is, my it best is, recommendation yeah. there. It is by no means um, um, heavy, like you said, heavy-handed. It is just literally sprinkled in there at the very end, and that's it. Just mention right. and then move on. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't change the story at all. It's just, no. it's a really fun and and I gotta love the other Yule lads too. What is it? It's uh, Stubby, 
cheap coat and Billy Gawk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love him. And um, the one thing I really, I wanted to know more about was when he mentioned the shining people behind the Northern Lights. Yes. And I think that that was like, that was just, that is a Grant Morrison phrase right there, if there ever was one. And I yep. wanted to learn more about, or I want to get a whole story just on these shiny people. And I think if I, if I believe, I didn't put the note, the whole, I didn't complete my note there, but I think that was, those are the people that kind of imbue um, Geppetto yes. with the power to like give life to wood. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yeah. So like, I, I want to know more about that. So I love how Grant Morrison does that, that it's not a cliffhanger, but he, when he leaves you like, I want to know more about these people. It yeah. doesn't really not knowing more about them. Doesn't hurt the story at all, but knowing more about them would be really cool. Cause it sounds like a great concept. <laughs> yeah. A wonderful concept. One typical of Grant and Grant has been very candid in divulging his, personal experiences with contact with alien life i'll mm -hmm. just leave it at that so you could see where in one of grant's fever dreams um journeys into consciousness what have you uh he maybe has encountered uh some of these shining people from the northern lights yeah. so uh, again it's it's a nice little ad very much a morrison thing and then that leads us into klaus and the crisis in Xmasville here as our second story. Now, this <laughs> is overt, okay, <clears throat> where we had subtlety happening with regard to that little twist at the end, maybe addressing climate change, global warming. Here, this is a frontal assault on the commercialization of Christmas. And in mm -hmm. particular, we got to call it out here. Got to call it. The Coca-Cola Santa. Absolutely. Okay. So here we have this fictitious company, this cola company, Polacola, that is trying to take over Christmas. L literally wrap it all up under that Polacola banner and make it its own. But it's doing it with a little help and a proliferation of Santa Clauses here in Xmasville. And Xmasville, and I, I love the fact that Morrison named it Xmasville, not yeah. Christmasville, because Xmas, that is the commercialization of Christmas. Some people will read it as shorthand for Christmas. No, that's that's the commercial side of the house. That's what yeah. that represents there. And that's indeed what this what this company town, let's call it that, is set up to be. So, Doc, take it away. What on earth wow. did Morrison create here? <laughs> because it certainly was enjoyable, and I'm still weaving my way through perhaps all the different meanings or things that he wanted to get across. Yeah, me too. It was, I definitely, um, you know, the first one that Winter Witch was like, it was a pretty easy read and, you know, you get through it, you got everything the first reading and, you know, move on. like I said, it's just a fun little story, a little Christmas story. Um, and then you get to this one. I immediately, um, after I finished it, I kind of put it down for a second. And then Bobby, a half hour later, I picked it up and reread it because there is a lot going on in this story, a whole lot. And it's, uh, you know, it's like, like, you know, we've already kind of said the basics that it's definitely Grant's uh, or Morrison's, um, you know, uh, view of the, the anti-commercialism of, of, of Christmas. And even, I mean, even in the story itself, one of the characters 
you know, makes it makes it very um, um, explicit. That's like, yes, it's Xmas. It's not Christmas. We don't do that religious stuff. So right. he, you know, he even made that very very clear line in the sand that you know, Christmas is to him is just a way to make some money. And it's you know, it's basically this this old family. It's uh, the Partridge family that is um, they created this Xmasville because they just wanted to create this town where it was Christmas all year round because they knew they could sell a lot of tickets and they could sell a lot of goods and and their main thing was the uh, it's the Pola Cola, which immediately you know the vision that comes into my mind is is it was it's not actually the 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 coca-cola santa it's the uh it's the polar bear holding the uh the 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 bottle of coke that's what i thought of instantly um and it's uh, i think he did a great job of you know not shining a light on who he's talking about but you know exactly who morrison's talking about here and it starts off this family's driving through delaware it's uh, i think it was in august and all of a sudden they they get lost he had the father has no idea where he is it starts snowing and the next thing they know, they're in this town that's not on the map, and all these Santa, everybody, every man, I should say, is dressed as Santa. And so they, he gets out, and he kind of f- trying to figure out what's going on. And basically, they they capture the father, they put him into a basic training camp to become another Santa, and they uh, they whisk the woman away. She's going to be like in a factory or something. And then, but it's the kids that they really want, and it gets. It actually gets surprisingly dark for a Christmas story too. Well, I guess, I guess not surprising. There are some dark Christmas stories out there, but um, this one was unexpected. It was it was welcome. Um, nothing graphic or anything like that. It's still I think it's still very suitable for all ages. Um, but definitely has a little bit darker themes in it. Um, where this this Partridge family has teamed up with um, an, basically an alien race, and they are harvesting the imaginations of children. And, um, and then after they're done, they don't kill the children, but after they're done with them, they just send them back, you know, back to earth and, um, um, to live out their life of drudgery where there's no imagination. They just are who they are. There's no dreaming of who you can be and I can be a better and I want to be a rock star or, you know, whatever it is. There's none of that. It's just working in a factory job or whatever. And that's it. And, uh, I think, uh, Morrison paints a terrible or i mean he does it very well but it's a terrible um view of how to live one's life without an imagination and everything and i think that comes across really really well in this and um and so that that's the nutshell of it and then um we get a lot of other um myth or whatever you want to call it that's also thrown in here um one of the the uh, the youngest of the partridge family um I can't stand the Partridge family. It makes it sound very like we're going to break into a song and dance here. Um, the uh, the youngest son, he his idea is he just wants to reclaim um, the Pola Cola's like dominance of the market, and he just wants to restart the factory and he wants to start selling, you know, and put them back on the map for financial reasons. He really he is not into this whole with the children. And at one point he's even like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not into this. This isn't what I signed up for. And it's one of the patriarchs that, uh, Agamemnon, which is awesome name, Agamemnon Partridge, the third. And, uh, he's the one that, um, they actually had a battle with Klaus many, many years ago. It lasted 40 days and 40 nights. And what was the battle over? Trademark dispute, which I thought was just absolutely hilarious. I actually laughed out loud for that because it's this kind of, you know, it's Graham Morrison. It's this magical world that he's created. And the reason they battling is over a trademark dispute of Santa, which I thought was absolutely hysterical. And, um, and, and, and of- Doc, not to get lost mm-hmm. in that, in biblical proportions, 40 yeah. days and 40 yes. nights of trademark <laughs> dispute. So Grant has a wonderful sense of sarcasm he does and, and a, a a wicked sense of humor 
Yeah, I'm glad you said that because saying trademark dispute, it sounds like lawyers were taking care of it. No, this was this was a throwdown, you know, using weapons and people dying and everything kind of battle for 40 days and 40 nights. And it was, um, you know, eventually, of course, Klaus won. And, uh, and this was just now um, the elder that Agamemnon Partridge, he teamed up with this alien race because he wants to get the edge. He thinks he's going to get these space weapons um, that will help him defeat Klaus. And then he can, again, you know, get this trademark and violate this trademark dispute and, um, and become, you know, even more wealthy than he already is and things like that. So that's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a different version of Scrooge. And that's who I thought of immediately with uh, Agamemnon was he is, he is Scrooge times a hundred or a thousand um, with, uh, because there's a lot of death involved with, <laughs> with Agamemnon. Um, but it was, it was a, it's a wild story. It's probably my favorite out of all of them so far, including, even though I absolutely love the volume one with the, um, um, his origin story. I love that those seven issues, but this is by far my favorite story. It was just, it's just so far out there. And it's definitely um, Morrison, um, some of his best, and it still ends on a pretty, you know, a pretty positive note. And um, and uh, um, with that spirit of the season kind of deal, and you know, and and Santa is never he's never mean or cruel or you know, no matter what he's doing, he's always looking out for the good in people. And uh, but he's also protecting that spirit of the holidays and things like that. So, and the one thing I really love too, I meant to meant to mention that in the uh, previous story, is the one thing that we don't that isn't reconciled in uh, in the Klaus books is the reindeer. He has instead of reindeer, he has these giant white wolves that are you know that are kind of like these magical that pull the sleigh. And I thought that was really cool. And his main his main companion, which I guess would be the Rudolph of the group, is is Lily, and a huge white wolf that's um, always kind of getting knocked around. Around. Lily always takes the brunt of Klaus's uh, um, adventures, and uh, I just, I just, I just, I don't know why. It just, it struck me a, a note as I just love that little change with uh, with wolves instead of um, of uh, of reindeer. Uh, but other than that, it's a it's a it's a crazy story, but uh, it makes sense. And 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 tell me, Angus, did the main alien not look like Lobo? That's, oh, to totally. I thought it was Lobo. To it, it looked like yeah. a Loboized version of Klaus, hence that yeah. doppelganger <laughs> thing. And that's what immediately took me to the Coca-Cola Santa. That yeah. was supposed yeah. to be the embodiment of all things wrong with the holiday season, was this alien-like, Loboized version of Klaus. And, and Doc, you hit the nail on the head as far as the polar cola is concerned with the polar bears coca-cola so uh, grant went even further there in enveloping himself into the coca-cola christmas mythos if you will and then infusing that into this story to really effective heights i i was most impressed with the level of detail and attention to detail that he brought to this story by really bringing forth the absurdity of the merchandising season yeah. that is Christmas. And then infusing back into the story. And I really think Grant got this out of his run of doing Superman. Okay. Mm. Because I see some great parallels here between Klaus and Superman, meaning what they stand for. Klaus is really, truly a purity of the season. He, he is the personification of maintaining 
the purity of the season, the real meaning of the season, but doing it to all extreme levels and, and, and not in a dictatorial standpoint, but actually fighting for the warmth, the season of giving in the season, the season of enchantment, where people can feel good about themselves and one another and, and celebrate the season. That's Klaus. That's and Klaus. from that standpoint, you know what? I, I love Morrison's spirit in all of this. The yeah. fact that uh, even with the weird thrown in at times, even with what appears to be all my work, where is he going with this? He somehow manages to come back to a deeper meaning at the end to give us readers a massive payoff. And I, Doc, I differ with you on, on this. And mind you, I loved this volume, but but I am I'm still drawn to that origin story volume because of the incorporation of mythology, whether mm -hmm. it was Celtic mythology, Norse mythology, and then, of course, the mythology of St. Nick, Santa Claus, all that stuff. Just kind of mashed up, thrown in there. And the incorporation of everything and anything that you and I grew up with as it relates to a Christmas special, basically being mashed into that thing. Yeah. But, but I will say this, where that is a really enjoyable origin story, I love the mythology and everything. These stories, however, I do have a deeper meaning behind them as far as tackling specific issues. So in the first story there with that Winter Witch, hey, we definitely had a, a, a warping of uh, the season when folks don't follow the season, the intent of the season, and choose to go an alternate route. And how things can run afoul. And, and, and okay, got it. The second one, this is pretty clear and straightforward. Once you're able to go through all of the different things that are going on in here, and that is, hey, look, this commercialization of Christmas has really gotten out of hand. Don't you think so, people? And I think <laughs> that's what Morrison is trying to get across here. Yeah. And that is, don't lose sight of the season as it relates to spending time with loved ones uh you know letting people know how grateful you are for having them in your life and yeah. really perpetuating the origins of the spirit of the season and for grant i, I can't thank him enough let's let's just touch on uh something else doc in here and that's the art that mora brings Mm. I, I was so impressed oh, in the consistency in all these volumes mm -hmm. of the artwork that Mora brings here. And, and in particular, when drawing Lily, uh, Doc, if anybody out there is a Game of Thrones fan and familiar with the dire wolves, okay, mm. that, you know, came from the north, that's what Lily and her pack are here. These are dire wolves. These are big wolves and and always the faithful companion to klaus and in some instances as we saw in the first volume she 
uh, comes to his aid an awful lot when yeah. Klaus, you know, runs afoul of something or gets knocked out or is in need of help. She's always there to bail him out. And as we saw in this last volume, oh my goodness, she actually becomes the one who is in need of yeah. Klaus's assistance. So it's a nice little turn of events here uh, within this volume. And more of from the rendering of Klaus in that superhero structure to the action that takes place between this doppelganger Klaus and the real Klaus. And then in the previous issue where we had these animate wooden cast skeleton uh but but snow abomination creatures or the animated those are brightly rendered the actual winter witch herself mm. oh my word i know that amazing. is awesome it is awesome. so so all of this artwork here is beautiful and and you can tell that more did his homework when going back and hitting all of the nostalgia vibes of the season as it related to Polacola. Yeah. That 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 was so well done. And the artwork of the billboards and everything, getting all of those iconic Coca-Cola campaigns of the past up there on those billboards, but then just putting that Polacola spin to them. Oh, just exquisite. Just exquisite. It is. This is, I mean, it just, it's, uh, you know, when, when you did the introduction and you were saying how, you know, Grant Morrison has always, he's kind of takes it upon himself to find new talent. And that's one thing I just so admire about him that he is, he, besides being an amazing talent in his own, I mean, we have talked about Grant Morrison many times. I know you've probably, you know, I know you've done uh, other ones with other, with other people on the podcast, but just us alone, I think we've talked maybe four different books at least, at least with uh from morrison and so there's no no question that we we are big fans of his and he is such a, a powerhouse in his own with his imagination but the fact that he can weed out and find such great talent in artists i just i just love that because he's he's kind of like paying it forward you know he's like i i've come into my own i'm gonna help some other people that i think are really super talented and man he hit out of the ballpark with with mora i mean this the art is it is it's it's really something i can't imagine any and there's a lot of great comic book artists don't get me wrong but i can't imagine anybody drawing this other than more because they just connect on this the the art is just so perfect for what is going on and the characters that are created um and and things like that and like we were saying before with uh you know with uh, with Gwen, he can easily go kind of off over the cliff and he can kind of get into some really bizarre territory and, you know, yes, he changed the physical appearance of Klaus. He changed some of the mythology around and stuff. But like you kind of mentioned, he kept at the very core of Klaus's character. He wanted Klaus to remain that that light, that beacon, and that um, that the positivity of that of the warmth and the spirit of generosity of the of the holiday season, and he didn't he never strays from that, and that's what I love about it. It'd be so easy, especially in a story like this, to lose that kernel 
and just kind of, you know, go off and make Klaus this big, you know, kick-ass kind of 1980s um, action hero kind of guy. And But he never, you know, and he does. He definitely kicks a major butt in this, in this story. But um, he's always, at the, at the core, he's just that really good person, almost innocence in some ways. And, um, and, and I, that's what I really love about this Klaus character because I read... I read the origin story every holiday season. That's that's one of my things I read. I probably won't read this story again. This is the first time reading it, even though I love it. Um, it's just something for me that um, um, just those origin stories, like like with you, that's that's like the real like um, um, that's what really kind of uh, makes this whole thing special is that origin story with the mythology and everything. And uh, I will continue to read that every year, and I'll probably revisit this once in a while with uh, maybe every other year or something like that because they are really fun stories. And he needs to make more. That's really all it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, Doc. He definitely needs to make more, and I'm just glad that we've gotten what we have yeah. so far uh, with this. It's just a really good, good, good series, and I, you know, I'd recommend this for all ages, like you would too. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe a T for teen if you're out there and not wanting to expose uh, your your youngster to a a lot of violence. Uh, but you know, really it's, it's not that bad because at the end of the day, like you said, doc, Klaus is always there espousing all of the good virtues of the holiday season. And in this day and age where cynicism seems to reign, it's refreshing to out of all people, Grant Morrison here, which I absolutely (laughs) love to get this hopeful and positive character out of one Klaus. So, Doc, I know we're going to continue on our holiday celebration, uh, but are there any well wishes that you'd like to send out there since we're in the middle of that lead up to the Christmas rush uh, for all of our listeners out there? And I wish everybody to have just a really fantastic um, and uh, just enjoyable holiday season with 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 all your family and friends. Of course, everyone want everybody to be safe, and the weather is just still so bizarre that you know stay warm and uh, but really enjoy it. And you know, I'm gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna continue uh, Morrison's um, you know message from um, uh, Crisis in Xmasville. You know, don't get caught up. But yes, I do exchange gifts with uh, with my family, of course, and everything. And I Angus and I we've sent each other gifts and everything, but. The holiday season is not only about that. It's for me. And you know what? I did a good job with my kids too, because they love the whole season. The most depressing day they say is Christmas day because it's over. Then the Christmas season's over. And we just love the whole season leading up to it. And I hope everybody else does too. get out there, see some lights, see some displays and um, go have some hot chocolate on a cold day. And I just hope everybody is surrounded by loved ones and friends and family and just have a great, great holiday season. 